Don't get me started on the snacks conversation. Wasn't my fault. We have a couple of visitors uh, from UB Global, which is the missions branch of the United Brethren denomination. Uh, I, the associate director, David Klein, and then one of our missionaries from Macau. I know two things about David. Uh, first, he knows, regardless of where he's at, the best local international cuisine. Nails it. I, he showed me, I had Vietnamese food for the first time last year uh, and found myself in, this was last spring, found myself in Nashville at a comedy club. Right across the street from the comedy club was a Vietnamese restaurant, and I could eat there knowing what to get because of David. Uh, so I'm very thankful for David. And the second thing I know about David is he loves the Lord and he loves the missionary work God is doing throughout the world, but especially through the United Brethren. Um, so, uh, but before we get to David, more significantly, more importantly, uh, what I'm looking for, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm looking forward to, I just spent a week with David, so I've heard enough of him. Uh, Jenea is one of our missionaries in Macau. Um, so if you would, give, as she comes to the stage, welcome her with the Brown Corners Church love. Wow. <laughs> About what I expected. Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome. I wasn't sure if I could come up yet. But. Well, I'm really happy to be with you all this morning. Um, forgive the tears. The, 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 this morning has just been so wonderful already, so I felt so welcome to join you guys this morning. Uh, before David comes up to share, I would just like to introduce myself a little bit and share a story that will connect with what he's going to share later today. A trivia question for you. What city is known as the Las Vegas of Asia? Macau. Yeah, if you said Macau, it's Macau, which kind of gave it away. But uh, I, I usually live in Macau when I'm not in the U.S., um, and I'm Jenea Bonner, and I'm part of UB Global in Macau. I've been there for the last 12 years. So I work with Jen Blandin, and I've worked with David and his family. And so you may be familiar with a lot of other of my coworkers, but this is the first time I've been able to join you here this morning. I'm here on home ministry assignment, so I've been back for several months in the U.S. And it's a little tricky right now because the borders to Macau are still closed. But... That gives me an opportunity to come, come here this morning and to, to see a lot of other faces around the U.S. while I'm still here. So I'm praying that the borders will reopen and I'll be able to go back to Macau here in the near future. But until then, I am happy to join you guys. I wanted to share a, a little bit of my story of the last three years, if you would just give me a minute or two of your time. Um, to give you an idea of the context in Macau, we do work in education and we work in the local church. So the last three years in particular, I've been focusing on education. I worked at an English center after school with elementary school students. And when COVID hit in Macau, it came a little bit sooner than here, all bets were off in terms of work. I worked in a secular organization and I was probably the only Christian in my organization. Um, and the situation just kept getting more and more intense. They asked more and more things of us, which may have happened with you guys as well uh, in your job. Maybe no one knew how to navigate it, really. But the changes just kept coming, and it felt more and more intense. And I really had to examine how I could walk in a Christ-like way in that environment. 
you know, they were asking things that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, and so I had to figure out, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? And at every turn, it felt like the situation got more uh, difficult. So at first, I was really frustrated. I wanted it to be easy to walk forward. I was kind of disappointed, too. And I honestly, I saw my, my bosses there as the enemy. Everything they were asking, I was, oh, why? <laughs> but as I prayed about it, and it was a continual prayer, and it wasn't just a one-time prayer, but as I prayed about it, I was just pouring out my frustration to God. And he reminded me of Ephesians six twelve. And you know, in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. But I'd just like to read verse 12 now for you, just because I think it's so powerful. It's been so powerful for me, and maybe it's been so powerful for you in different situations. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. My, my enemy was not my boss's. My enemy was not the things they were asking me to do. Um, and so because of that, because God opened my eyes to that, I was able to act in a different way. It caused me to see them in a new light and started to act more compassionately towards them. Again, it was a continual prayer. It wasn't like I flipped a switch and suddenly I was so compassionate. Um, I wish. But uh, little by little. I was able to, to change my thinking and my own attitude as well. Rather than blame them or jump to conclusions about why they were doing things, I thought, oh, maybe there's another reason. And even if there's not another reason, I can change my attitude. I can change my words. I can change how I go about my work. And I can do my job to the best of my ability, just for, ultimately for Jesus. I think we can each do that, right? We may not be able to control the situation or who's in charge, but we can control our responses. And I knew that they valued productivity as well. And since I wanted to work hard for Jesus and they wanted productivity, I thought this is a great way to also show them that I, I want to, to, to do my best. So God's compassion through me allowed me to see my bosses as human and not my enemy. And it allowed me to, to show more love through Jesus than I could have on my own. You know, sometimes we realize our weaknesses, like we were just singing about that. We have all of our weaknesses before God. He knows. And so when I admitted that to him, he gave me his strength. I really hoped that my, my response would change my boss's viewpoint. But it didn't really seem to, <laughs> unfortunately. But my takeaway was that I'm still answerable to what God wants for me. I'm not answerable for their response. I'm answerable for mine. And in the end, I think, I think that they saw I wasn't trying to fight them. Um, but we didn't have a big kumbaya moment and stand around hugging, you know, that would have been really wonderful. Um, I didn't see them as the enemy, and so I was able to leave on good terms. I was able to finish well and walk away knowing I did what I could. So as David shares about compassion with you all, we, I think it's a, it's a good reminder and a good lesson for me that 
on my own, I might not be very compassionate. But when I give that to God, he allows, he allows that compassion, his compassion to flow through me. David, come on up. Thank you. I'm really not sure I should even preach now. That was kind of like, okay, let's just drop the mic and go home, huh? That was good, Joanna. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, I, uh, I really appreciated the worship this morning. Um, I always do shout-outs to people, and the, the, the sound of the voice made a pathway to Jesus for me this morning. It was a pretty cool thing, and that, that's, what, um, that's what worship's all about, right? I um, really appreciate it. And I also have to shout-out to the drummer because he was spot-on, and that's, that's my heart. <laughs> so, but good stuff. Dan told me how to do this. I can do it. Here we go. Well, this morning, I kind of got warmed up to Brown's Corner family uh, remotely because I was getting to hang with Dan and Hunter and uh, being down in, t in Florida. Um, it was a great time for us just to, to relax, refresh. Um, but the most important part, folks, is it was cool to connect with Jesus. Um, we had a speaker that really emphasized the point of being reduced to just Jesus. So this morning, if there's nothing else that you get from what we talk about today, I hope that you just can sense through the words of what's going on here of how you can connect and sit with Jesus and let him minister to your heart directly. Um, that's stuff that I'm just, I'm still pouring over and really kind of messing around with a little bit here. So it's a, it was just a week that was really worthwhile. So um, let me just tell you a little bit about myself first. Um, I am David Klein, and I am Associate Director, but let me talk a little bit about our organization. Um, I think our tagline says it really, really well. Can you see the tagline up there? Better Missions Together. Um, we are the mission organization that's exclusively designed for you guys, the UB churches around the country. Um, so my job is really, really simple. It's to serve you guys as you reach out into the neighborhoods and the nations and take on the mission of Christ. So whatever there is for there to happen, I'm there to try to help that happen. We have 25 years of ministry, overseas ministry experience on our staff, as well as like 60 combined years of, of ministry experience throughout the United States and overseas. But honestly, that matters exactly zero unless we are in it together, unless we are doing what we're doing together. So hopefully I can serve you guys really, really well as you guys engage your neighborhoods all the way to the ends of the nations. So as you guys are planning your uh, children's ministry things for VBS this summer, I hope you check us out because we have supplemental resources. Um, I, I hope that as your youth group or family groups think about missions trips, you look us up because we do things overseas. We also do things nationally, like in New York City, or we send people to Canada, Toronto. So there's opportunities there. And as you wonder how to engage the uh, neighborhoods around you, if people are moving in that are maybe different than you, uh, maybe immigrants or refugees moving into your area, or you see some of the gas stations that look very different, you have a question, we're doing that stuff too. So think about if there's any ways we can impact in those ways, that'd be great. Or maybe as, uh, as your church is looking for, small groups are looking for ways to learn more about missions, we have short mission training tools as well as short videos that will kind of update you on what's going on in missions. Overall, though, we are just here to help. So I'm going to put this up here real early on before I start. That's our website, um, which is getting redesigned right now. Um, and that's, that's kind of a cool thing because I think we're in the late 
maybe 1990s right now, so it's kind of clunky and kind of looks kind of weird, but hopefully it'll be something really smooth here soon. And you can check us out on Facebook, which is probably the, the most, uh, most easy way to kind of follow what's going on, but that's all right there. And that QR code, if you take your phone out, it's a way you can actually put your name down on a piece of paper and you can kind of select the resources that you might need um, that would be helpful to you or maybe people in your church. So that's something up there as well. So, so today, as I move into um, scripture, let me um, just tell you, we're going to be highlighting two pieces. Uh, first is the story from Luke uh, 7, and then the second one is the feeding of the 5,000 from Matthew uh, 14. Um, so we're going to try to do this Chinese style, if you don't mind me letting you be out of your comfort zone, and if you can stand. Um, the Chinese will actually all stand when there's scripture read, and then they'll read it in unison together to remind them that they are the body of Christ receiving God's word together, um, and, and out of reverence they stand. So if you don't mind standing, we'll read... Uh, three different pieces of scripture together, and I'll try to be a little bit quieter so I can hear your voices. Soon, Jesus and his disciples were on their way from the town of Nine, and a big crowd was going along with them. As they came near the gate of the town, they saw people carrying out the body of a widow. When the Lord saw the woman, they felt sorry for him and said, don't cry. Jesus went over and touched the stretcher on which the people were carrying the dead boy. They stopped and Jesus said, young man, get up. The boy sat up and began to speak. Jesus then gave him back to his mother. Everyone was frightened and praised God. And they said, a great prophet is here among us. Now it's Now in Matthew, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing this, when Jesus the land saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you. So did anyone catch a theme from these two pieces of scripture? By the way, I'm a teacher, so if you hear it, yell it out. Compassion, yes. Compassion is where we're going today. So let me take these stories apart a little bit, is what was going on culturally in, the, culturally in those days. Um, compassion was not a value highly held by the Romans. Um, the Romans prided themselves on being heartless and harsh at all times. And many tribes at that time were vying for power, so this left you pretty much mostly caring about yourself and your tribe first. Most of them that, that day would consider compassion to be a weakness, siding with one philosopher who said, compassion is the vice of a feeble soul. Now specifically in the passage of Luke, Jesus is certainly not out on the hunt for this situation of the, with the woman. And the widow, on the other hand, was not looking for Jesus at all. She was just taking care of her son. But Jesus was moved by compassion, deciding to enter the scene. But this was kind of a tricky situation. Being around dead people in that day meant that you would be unclean. Not something that a rabbi would be caught dead doing. Pun intended. Okay. Just seeing if you're alive. All right. So Jesus was compassionate in the way that he jumped into a complicated situation, a messy situation to bring true change. You see, he wasn't only bringing a son back to life. He was restoring the only male person that she had in her life that would bring uh, hope to him in that male-dominated culture. 
So this brought back tangible hope to her life. And then in Matthew, uh, Jesus was just trying to get some rest from with his father. His life was not stress-free. Um, he'd just seen John, the, or just knew that John the Baptist had been beheaded by Herod. I'm sure he had a ton on his mind. But the people were intrigued by Jesus and the miracles that he'd been doing. So they were not close to the city, there was no food to be had, and all the disciples were scurrying around trying to solve the solution. Interestingly, Jesus didn't see this as a problem. He saw the state of their hearts. They were lost, desiring to find truth and relationship, even though they were looking for it in all the wrong places. He was compassionate to the situation, and he healed their sick, which was a miracle that happened even before the one we all talk about, which was the fishes and the loaves. So this is the background of the stories, but let's take a look at the patterns of what Jesus was doing as he moved people with the compassion of his Father's heart. First, Jesus sees. Jesus was not short um, on things to do. He was trying to build his father's kingdom by telling everyone who had listened. Remember, he's facing the pressure of the John the Baptist being beheaded. Jesus was looking for rest and when this group of 5,000 came. He was also just walking around town, probably trying to do his own business that day when he was uh, interrupted by a woman who was in great need. You see, Jesus is always looking at us, observing what's happening in each of our lives. If we hope to reflect compassion of Christ, we too have to open our eyes and the hearts to the situations around us, even if they're not easy or, uh, or they're messy. Probably most of you can't guess this by my physique, because, but I'm a firefighter. And just a free tip for all you, if you're going to be a firefighter, don't start to do that at 40 years old. Start when you're 18, okay? Just, but even in my old age, Doing Fire Academy with a group of people afforded me three days a week with the same group. I was able to join a family. It let me hang out with people who largely had really no interest in faith. At first, I found this pretty difficult because there was constant language and vulgarity, and it was just intense all the time at the firehouse or at the, at the training center. But over time, I realized that I was able to see what was going on in their lives by the stories they told and by the jokes they were telling. Listening closely, I started picking up on some of the heart behind the stories. In my class, there were a couple people that I even started to pray for intentionally, asking that uh, 1 Peter 3.15 would be my guide, that I would always be ready to give an answer for the hope that I have, but I would do it with a, in a gentle and respectful way. Class after class of not seeing even a glimmer of chance to talk about something serious or faith led me to one night after doing a training exercise, sitting in the back of the engine, completely gassed, sucking the air, and uh, sitting beside another cadet. Uh, the cadet had been going through a really rough patch, and I knew that. Um, she had uh, just had hopeless and ho hopeless situation after hopeless situation happening in her life. Um, I was pretty clear in her situation, and, uh, and even before the most recent devastation, uh, devastating word came that day, uh, you see, she lost her father, um, and she was really close in EMS to where he was at, heard the call and didn't realize it was him, and he passed away without her being able to respond to him. And so that night, seemingly out of nowhere, she looks over at me and says, where do you find hope when things seem so hopeless? You see, being aware of knowing where she, where she was gave me the ability that night to offer a hope that I had. Second, Jesus feels. 
obviously I feel too much too, sorry. <laughs> Once again, Jesus uh, allows himself to feel and get involved in situations, um, to feel what, what people are experiencing. He, imp- he empathizes with people, and he comes to their level. He lives life within. Though he clearly didn't have to be compassionate a day to satisfy the people around him, he chose to join in their suffering. This one is so challenging to me. Even just empathizing in a situation can ask a lot of us. The mental energy, the time, the learning, the intentionality. But this is clearly how Christ connected with people to see his great love and grace to be understood. So from Jenea's story, she told so well, empathizing with and joining in her boss's situation was definitely not an easy task. I remember how exhausted and emotionally drained she felt after each class, after they added things to her schedule and knowing that she could not do more uh, more on, put more on her plate to do a good job uh, at that kind of a pace. She had regular calls talking, uh, talking through the situation just, uh, just to keep us from reacting in a way that was negative and to push for a compassionate response. Jenea disciplined herself to act in a way that was honoring to Jesus. She realized the financial and relational stress that they were living um, tried to have a new startup company uh, was real, uh, living in a COVID time there. From the very beginning, she had desired for these, two wom- to, to, for these two women to know Jesus, and it was apparent to them that she was handling things differently. Because during 2021, the English Center had a numerous staff leave, most of them in a big, huge ball of fire, while Jenea left on good terms, even with them realizing that they had made a mistake in her pay and self-correcting that. So though things were not easy or fun, Jenea lived a couple hard years in a way that showed those two women and the teaching staff there the compassion of Jesus. This is a super challenging, but I believe it's the only way that we're going to, to engage the situation of the, with the heart of Jesus. Joining people in their situation to feel what is going on can be messy and it can even re- require a lot of our personal sacrifice but it's the only way to show the deep level of compassion that Christ asks of us. And then lastly, Jesus acts. I have noticed that this has become a culture of click like and feel really good about ourselves. We often as Christians talk a lot, but then when it comes to finding meaningful solutions to problems, we we kind of fade off into the distance. Jesus is not only there um, he was not only there with them, but he provided a fish and loaves dinner. He brought a son back to her mother. We have to put away our big Christian talk and adopt a posture of finding true help and care for the lost world around us. We probably won't uh, get the chance to do the miracles that Jesus had, but there are many opportunities for us to passionately engage our culture with, it, with true working relationships, just with the gifts that God has given us. Once again, from Jenea's story, all that was being learned uh, all that was being learned from empathizing and watching her bosses would have little impact without action. I remember getting on the phone for long hours uh, talking about what could be done uh, to both honor Jesus and these women, which she explained. But at the end, there was little, uh, there, was very, there, was a, there was a very tactical list of what needed to be done that it could be sh- so that people could show the love of Jesus. So sometimes I don't think it takes that kind of effort on our part to learn in that way and be so methodical. Um, but I think in certain situations it takes a lot. The great part is that you're not in this alone, though. 
remember, the Holy Spirit is walking with you step by step, then you can rely on him. And remember, you have a family, just like Janae picked up the phone to me, you have a family around you. When you have things going on, talk to people, get, get the group together. So Jesus sees us in our situation. He feels that situation with us, and he acts in a meaningful way. So if we have any hope of reaching our neighborhoods around us and all the way to the nations, we're going to have to lead with compassion. We're going to have to see people and have compassion for their situations and then act in love. And this most likely probably won't be in this church building. It's probably going to be at the post office. It might be at a restaurant. For me, at the fire station, an office, maybe at school, a sport team practice, um, being in your neighborhood with people around you that look like you and act like you or maybe people who are moving into your neighborhood that don't look like you or don't act like you. Take the extra time to see these people with the eyes of Jesus and then let your heart be moved. Need I remind us as we close this time of Jesus' greatest example of compassion, seeing us in our sin, deserving death, he joined us. Having compassion, he took on our sin. He lived a perfect life, which was quite a fall for God, all the way to humiliating death on a cross but not hollow compassion. Those actions allowed us to live and then live forevermore. So as I read this next piece from Philippians 2, I want you just to listen for the heart of compassion in the words um, by Jesus' example. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort in his love, any compassion, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each, each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in, a very, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be, take, be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now on to our present day home front. Have the last couple years been hard on you? Does the crazy life of social media, media, the pandemic, the constant change stir your soul like it does mine? I can think of a number of times when, uh, when the text from Matthew 9 uh, makes total sense when it says, uh, I felt like a sheep without a shepherd each time that I forgot that Jesus is standing here right beside me. There are many voices and conversations that have been flooding my ears, influencing my thinking, and at times shaking my emotions. Uh, as my wife, Melissa, and I would listen to something, uh, it seemed like the messages I mostly agreed with, but as I turned off the browser or I closed the TV or shut the TV off, I would say, that just doesn't seem human. You see, our world is not much different than the world that Jesus lived in. Deficient of compassion at every corner. But folks, when the room is the darkest, I believe this single light can make the biggest impact. Compassion of Jesus 
can make the difference that is noticed. The world wants to diminish our capacity to, but remember the same spirit that lives in Jesus is also the spirit that lives inside of us. Have you guys let compassion impact you personally lately? He is with you, lovingly waiting. I want to give you a second to sit with Jesus and let his compassion flow over you. Let Jesus see you right where you are. Maybe it's not where you hope to be. Maybe it's you've been hurt or beat down. Maybe a piece of you has died for some reason. Or maybe you've done something that has left you feeling a little bit unworthy of Jesus' attention. He doesn't care. He sees you. Or maybe you have been hard on yourself or others close to you, and maybe you're just worn out from life. Let yourself experience Jesus being in those things with you, just caring for you, showing his compassion. So let's just take a minute and do whatever you need to do to think about Jesus right there beside you. it's amazing that you care mostly about our hearts you see all the rest but your compassion goes out to us in our brokenness and are not enough and so God as Colossians says clothe us, clothe us with compassion let us experience this in a real way that we have healing and restoration in our own hearts Father, and from that movement, let us not forget that we have others around us that need that same compassion, that need a touch from you, that need to show grace, love, care, concern. So God, engage us with that compassion as a ministry tool, as a ministry as we engage your world. God, we love you so much. Thank you for being with each one of us and showing us your deep compassion. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jenea. As we enter into a time of communion, I'm, I want to point us to and read the final words of Christ on that night he would sacrifice himself for us. As they were eating, Jesus broke bread, blessed it, and broke it gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it, this is my body. Then he took a cup after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And later, years later, Paul, the apostle Paul would be writing letters to churches, encouraging them to continue to walk in faith, reminding them who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. And he would recall this meal when he would write in 1 Corinthians 11. When you come together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at the meal, each one eats his own supper. 
So when one person is hungry while another gets drunk, well, you don't have homes which to eat and drink? Or you despise the, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you in this matter. He's responding to some chaos. He's responding to some arguments, some conversations, some division. And then he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This is this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. We all, in this church body, but even in the world, we experience chaos. One of the main things Jesus talked about at that Passover meal at the Last Supper was being unified. They will know you by, they will know you love me by how you loved one another. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was loving. And Jesus equips us to be compassionate and loving today. But we have to examine ourselves. We have to examine our own hearts. So as we prepare to partake in communion, I do want to give you a time to examine your heart, to think about where you stand with Jesus. As I always say, if you have business to handle with Jesus, handle your business and then come and partake. Just to take care of all of the business, there are gluten-free options in the middle. The plates are for our benevolence offering. That money goes to help those within the Brown Corners church family. You don't have to pay to partake. Church, Jesus is right next to you with arms open wide. Come to him this morning. Take a moment to handle your business. I'll pray and then we can partake. God, today we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for his compassion. We're thankful for his compassion in the chaos, the chaos of the world he walked in, 
and the chaos and the compassion and the chaos of the world we walk in. God, we're just so grateful that we don't have we don't do this alone. We don't have to do this alone. First and foremost, we have you. Our comforter, our salvation, our heavenly father. And secondly, we have a family. You've given us a family. Help us to lean on you first and then lean on that family. God, as we partake, let us not forget. Let us partake in remembrance of you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice in the light.
was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice in the life that you gave. We are healed for you paid the price. By your grace, we are saved. We are saved. Can we stand as we go again? for our transgressions he was cursed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed I'll sing this out loud Thank you, Father, that by your wounds, by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, as we leave, I want to point one more thing out. As I was reading last night a book on the heart of Jesus, it pointed me to who God says he is. And I want you to live in this. I want you to leave this place dwelling on this. As Moses was going up to the mountain to get new stone tablets, the Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses' response was to drop to his knees in worship. As we go through life, as we leave this place, lean on the compassion of Christ, the never-ending steadfast mercy, grace, and forgiveness of the Father. Amen. Go in peace.